0: This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. And today I'm joined with Damon Naylor, who is an author, speaker, content creator and trainer. And he actually specializes in communication, gift and talent development, self-help and leadership. So Damon, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me,
1: Michael. I'm so glad to be here with you and your audience and I'm looking forward to our conversation.
0: So I thought we'd actually start with helping people find their their gifts and find their passions and there are so many people that are aimless right now for want of a better expression and I thought we'd start off with helping these people out, helping them find what they want to do with themselves and, and things like that. Is there anything that you can help them with?
1: Definitely, definitely. My philosophy is that all men and women are created with a skill and a mission to fulfill. And my practice and what I do is coach people and help them find what I call is their dominant gift. And this is your strongest talent that if you're able to discover it, cultivate it and use it, then you're going to be able to be passionate about life and you're going to be able to be productive and proficient as well. And just right off the bat, one thing I can give and help with with your audience in discovering it is that I have people to ask themselves four questions. And if they can answer these four questions, more than likely they can kind of be on a road to finding their dominant gift. So the first question is, what are you good at doing? And this will be classified as a skill question. And so you want to be brutally honest on you know, just assessing yourself. What activity do you engage in? Or what talent do you utilize that you know you're good at? That's the first question. The second question is, what do I like doing? So this will be a question in the category of passion. You can be passionate about something, but not skilled. And that's why I put it in that order. You need to be skilled first and also have the passion because sometimes people are passionate, but they're not skilled, and that can become a train wreck eventually. So then a third question is, what do I do that has a positive impact and is effective to others? So this goes into the category of effectiveness. Okay, I'm good at it, I'm passionate about it, but what are others saying? If you are really good at doing something, at some case, some point, you know, people are going to say, look, I love when you do that particular thing. I love the product that you make. I love the service you provide. And be, and it's because it, what you're doing is having an impact on others, okay? So that, then the last question is, final question, this is one of the most important ones. What can I do without receiving monetary compensation and still feel fulfilled and completely satisfied? So if you can find something, an, an activity you you engage in or a talent that you use, and it can be placed in each four of those questions, it can answer each of those questions, more than likely it's your dominant gift. And I always tell my story of I own the janitorial business, and that is definitely not my dominant gift. And so for question one, I was skilled at it, That would it would go there. Question two: um, Was I passionate about it? No, so it would not go there. Question three: Was it effective and impactful? Yes, I got paid lots of money owning that janitorial business. And a fourth one: Would I would I receive total satisfaction for doing it with no monetary compensation? No, of course not. So I would have to have all four question questions answered. And my dominant gift is in the area of communication. And so for each of them, you put that gift there and it makes sense. It matches to a T. And I discovered that through, you know, having various gifts, but trying to gravitate and focus and hone in on what was my strongest. And that's what I found is my strongest. And each person I talk to who are really excelling and doing well and living a passionate life, normally their gift can answer all four of those questions as well.
0: What I actually find quite interesting about that as well is you don't focus on the external first. And the reason why I I bring that up is, you know, everyone's amazing in their family's eyes, right? So like your mom thinks you're amazing at everything. So you can't necessarily judge your abilities based on what other people are saying, especially if you go to your mother about how good your singing is and as soon as you go Above and beyond just your family, instantly you're you're terrible, and you should probably stop the singing straight away. How do you know what you're good at objectively? Though it seems like everything's going to be a public opinion. Everything's going to be just somebody's opinion. What somebody thinks. How is it that you can actually become more objective with it? How do you actually get to a point where you think you know what I'm good at this compared to a larger sample of people?
1: Right. So that's where it. you have to be brutally honest with yourself and you have to analyze and look at the different things that you do. And you, like I say, you have to step outside of yourself because if you continue to be subjective as you stated, you're going to say, well, I'm good at everything. No, we're, we're not. I mean, and I'm multi-talented. So I I always teach people, you have your dominant gift, but you also have secondary and acquired gifts. For example, with creativity, content creation, I like that to a certain extent, and I get paid money doing that. I'm proficient in it, pretty good. But still in all, my dominant gift is my mouth and communicating. But as I stated, I had to be brutally honest with myself and know, okay, yes, I'm good at that, I can do that. But that's when the second a question comes in about your passion once you find your dominant gift you know you're good at it but if there's this passion behind it that is so strong so compelling and it just self-motivates self-motiv- it, you, it you on it on its own you don't have you don't need the extern as you were talking about a few moments ago And that's one of the drawbacks to going to those who are familiar with you, your family, your friends. Because of course, in many cases, they're going, yeah, you're good, you're good. But as you stated, once you get out there, you find out you suck. And that's why you want to really be honest with yourself. Just analyze and say, "Okay, it's time to be honest. Am I really good at this? Do I really love doing this? You know, am I really productive at this? And just look at the results that you're having when you're doing it. And I think if if we're brutally honest with it, we can eventually find and, and, and really hone in and be meticulous about what we're really good at doing, you know, for instance, a person might be athletic, they may play different sports, but at the end of the day, which one you are really good at, which one you're really passionate about, and as an example, when I was a kid, I, I tried different sports. I tried football, I tried baseball, I tried basketball. And I was a, a, a decent athlete, so I could have played any one. But I had to be brutally honest with myself at about 10 years of age. And I decided basketball was the thing because I had the passion for it. And I had the skill for it as well. And I was impactful and effective. And it's a good thing I chose that sport Because I ended up playing for what's called an AAU team, that stands for Amateur Athletic Union, and they played during the summer. And I played on a team, we won five out of seven national championships. And so each of the people on that team, basically, that was their strongest talent, and we we're were able to form a very dominant and winning championship team. But as I stated, that was the the, um, sport that I was the best at. And so you just have to analyze yourself. You know, look at the handwriting on the wall, as they say. Look at the signs, and just just be honest. You know, at the end of the day,
0: it's interesting how many talent shows that you watch, and you see people going, and they think they're amazing. Their friends tell them they're really good, and yet when they do the thing, it's the judges that say, "Well, no, we should probably uh, should probably try something else." And I think that that that's an interesting thing because I think we're also in a day and age now where we're teaching people to just listen to themselves and don't listen to other people don't take on feedback too much just believe in yourself trust in yourself and then keep pushing forwards and sometimes that can cause people to be ice skating uphill the entire time when if they just decided to change something just to do something different something that maybe came more natural to them or maybe something that they would do anyway if you got some more intrinsic benefit as opposed to extrinsic you know you get more internal benefit versus external some people need that before right. they go and do something else that you can't necessarily get objectively good unless you're going to put the time in but is that is that how how it works how do you actually get good at something how do you because some people may be thinking I need to change this then I need to figure out what I'm going to do and I might not be good at it when I first start some people don't start off good straight away.
1: Right, and you are so right. And so I always say, we always receive a raw talent, but it's our job to transition it into a. Pro- I mean, we get a we get a raw gift. It's an, our job to transition it into a a specialized talent. In other words, it, there's a processing that goes along, but the key is trying to find that that your strongest area first, so you won't spin your wheels. But you know what happens is, I stated. Sometimes you might not be able to, I would say, find a profession or start a business that's going to utilize your strongest talent. Well, it's okay then to do use a secondary or acquired gift, especially for income purposes. But still, in in that scenario, I, I still always try to encourage people to pursue using your dominant gift in some capacity. You know, you could do it as volunteerism, just as your hobby or a pastime, but make sure that you are doing that thing you love and doing that thing that you're skilled at in some capacity. You know, I know some people who are, I would say, artists can can paint very well, but they haven't positioned themselves where they could profit off of their art. Well, they have other jobs that pay the bills, but in, as a hobby and on the side, they do their art. And that's what I always encourage people. Sometimes you might not be able to do it initially, or be in a position where you can do it as a full-time job or a business but still do it in some capacity because it's going to feed you like i say your passion is tied to it and that's why you want to use it in some capacity because it's going to feed you and believe it or not it'll help you while you're doing those mundane tasks and you you you're um, working on that job that you're just really not so passionate about but if you just can keep at the back of my mind okay once i get off I'm going to do what I love. You know, of course, this happens with a lot of musicians too. Sometimes, yeah. that you know, you never get to that place where I'm a full-time musician traveling the world, selling millions of CDs, but you still love music. And that means you'd still need to do it. Do it on the side, you know, take your money, invest in your recording equipment or going to the studio, whatever you need to do, but make sure you're doing your passion in some capacity.
0: That is such a good point, actually, because I can't tell you how many people have those mundane jobs that they just use just to pay the bills but everything that they do outside of that fills them up with so much joy and passion and enthusiasm for life that they're more than happy to do the mundane thing because they're able to constantly see i'm able to get out and i'm able to do the thing that i really really want to do in my spare time Do you think that that is enough, though? Do you think that's enough for people to still feel like they're fulfilled, like their life is worth living, for want of a better expression, if the balance is is that way? Or do you think eventually people are going to break and they're going to be worn down? Do you think they'll get to that point? Or do you think it's enough to have a balance?
1: It just just depends on the person. You would have to look at it on an individual basis. I know for myself I just knew for his positioning and just my passion and just my my divine vision that I've had I know and I knew that it was meant for me to get to the place where I'm using this communication gift and on a full-time basis or uh, the majority of the time and I think you know that's what I'm saying on an individual basis each each person has to know their situation you know Am I going to be able to position myself to do this the majority of the time, or will I have to strike that balance? And it's just on a case by case basis because everybody's not fortunate to get to that place to do it, you know, on a full time basis or just as a a business or something. But you know, in, in those cases, cases you still have to do your job as well do as well as do it. And as I said, you just have to evaluate it on a case by case basis. Um, I think if you put the time in, you strategize, you plan, you can sometimes make that transition, but for some people, they won't be able to, but either or, you know, for those who break, it's because that that dominant gift was so strong, it was like you just had to do it, but they didn't, you know, do the research, they didn't get the team, they didn't get all of the resources and things they needed to make that transition, and that's, like I said, that's why we coach people. That's why we have the program, the G3 Journey, to help people to, to try to get to that place to where they can use it as a full-time job or, or a business, you know, where where they're able to to, to do it all the time, which is, is the optimal place to be.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting point when there are people that don't necessarily... Think it through. Well, the they keep it inside their head a little bit, and they don't necessarily break it down, write it down, make it practical, make it realistic. I don't. I don't mean realistic in the goal setting sense. I mean realistic is in the expectations of what they can actually realistically do. And the reason why I put it like that is because look, if your if your bills far exceed what you can manage, you're going to have to communicate to someone somewhere down the line that you're not going to be able to fulfill, whether it's rent or food or energy bills or whatever it is, until this point. You've got to set certain boundaries and certain goals that you have to meet because so many people would sacrifice certain things to achieve what it is that they want. But if they can't put a roof over their head. You've got to start asking some serious questions about your abilities, as we've mentioned before, to actually do the thing. So Some people, you know, maybe they, they cover something with it, but the idea of that being the thing that they do with their time and that is it, that takes a lot of ability and lots of different areas to be able to do that. So many people would be, let's say, a freelancer, you know, maybe they want to be a graphic designer, they love designing, and they think, okay, but marketing and selling is a big part of running a business, not just doing the skill. There's so many other things that go into it. It's not just one thing. It's multifaceted. It's multidisciplined. And you can't just decide that you're going to do it full time. There's a lot more that goes into it. And I think some people tend to miss that. They tend to miss the bigger picture.
1: Right. And that's where the collaboration is critical to partnering as you stated some people are fortunate you know what they can wear the different hats as you stated the business hat they can be the marketer they can negotiate they can do all of that and perform the skill as well but then some people as you stated there they can only just do the skill well in that case you, you have to try to form some collaborations and partnerships where you connect with a business-minded person where you connect with a graphic designer and just establish a team in order to get to the place of where you're trying to go. But yes, like I said, it's just, just a case-by-case basis. It's, it's, it's weird and unique. But as I stated, as I, I work with people, I'm able to help them to see the reality of it. And just as you stated, making sure that you have an actionable, realistic plan that you're executing sometimes. As you mentioned, being unrealistic about your goals and unrealistic about your path, that will set you up and things will more than likely go awry. But you just have to be realistic. You have to balance, I always say, idealism and realism. You can't just go off too far idealistically. And you don't want to be just too real where you have no fate and you you know you just everything has to be lined up and perfect in order for you to pursue something. No, you know you walk by faith and and not by what you're seeing because it takes some kind of faith and believing in something that hasn't existed yet or that you hadn't done. And oftentimes it's, it's fearful to go into the unknown, but I promise you, taking that step and going after something that you're just kind of envisioning that doesn't exist. Once you obtain that, it just does something to you. It really boosts your faith and it makes you feel empowered and confident to do more things. But I always tell people, you know, at least try adding in some some form of fashion. Don't just allow your whole life to pass. As you stated, just keeping out those ideas in your mind. Or even sometimes people go to the next step and they write it down, but there needs to be some execution, And I always say, you know, don't think of things as a failure, just think of it as a a lesson learned. And I always say as well, no means three things to me. Next option, new opportunity, not over. So if something goes awry, it just blows up in your face, look for your next option, look for your new opportunity because it's not over. Just keep on living life. Be resilient. When you get knocked down, get back up. There's always another chance. You always have another shot. But stay encouraged and just know, as I stated, when things go wrong, just learn the lesson. How could I fix it? What adjustments can I make to make things better? But by all means, continue to to walk the path and to take the journey that you're on.
0: That's a very, very interesting point in terms of being knocked down, because very often it's just the consistency I found that makes all the difference. So the only difference between someone that gets there and someone that doesn't is one extra try, one extra attempt, someone that stayed down versus someone that got back up again, which makes me think if we stick with that for a minute, what are some of the things that you can do that help you? Get back up again because sometimes it knocks the wind out of your sails. Sometimes you don't want to get back up again. This makes me think okay, well, how do we get people to act scared or act afraid or act when they're struggling? Because it's, I imagine it being easier, Damon, yeah. when life's going well and you're feeling good and you think, oh, I just get up and do it again when you're having a bad day, when you don't want to keep going, how do you keep taking action in that position?
1: We just have to change our mindsets. I know for me, I'm, you know, a man of faith. And so I believe in God and I believe, you know, that things are going to change. And of course, everybody's not a person of faith, but at the same time, you have to speak positively, even in the midst of you seeing and feeling things are going awry. Feeling fear, that's normal. That's human. We are going to fear that fear of rejection, fear of ridicule, fear of failure. That's normal. But you have to control. You you said a word, discipline. You have to discipline yourself to control your emotions and to do it. Even when you're anxious, even when you're fearful, even when you're depressed and discouraged, you just have to get up and say, look, you encourage yourself. I'm going to do this despite what's going on, despite what it looks like. Despite all of the losses, and I've been saying this recently, this keeps coming up. I just thought of an example how if you have a 25-game season, in order to be a winner, all you have to win is 13 games. You could lose 12, but all you have to win is one more. And it it kind of connects with what you just said. You just get up there one more time. Just take that, takes that one more time. And just think of what you're doing in order to get a breakthrough. Say, for instance, there's a huge concrete wall. That you're trying to break through. And one thing I've learned and just been divinely inspired to understand is that you just find that spot and you keep hitting it. You keep hitting it. You keep hitting it. And eventually you're going to put a hole in the wall and you're going to get through. And that's what it's all about. You said it consistency, but consistency is attached to discipline. People who lack discipline they're inconsistent, they can't keep doing the same thing, especially when they're not seeing results. But you have to keep on doing it because initially in in a lot of cases, you're not gonna get those instant results, especially the ones that you're envisioning and seeing, oftentimes they're far off. So it's gonna take a journey, it's gonna take lots of consistent work over time to get there, but you have to just make up in your mind, condition yourself that I'm gonna buckle up my seatbelt, And I'm taking this journey. Now, I always say focus on your destination, but enjoy your trip. Don't just throw your life away just going for the vision. No, enjoy life while you're doing that as well. You know, I've had some excellent, wonderful moments with my family while pursuing my vision and doing the things that I'm doing. It hasn't been a total neglect of just sacrificing everything to where I'm just going all in and nothing else is matter. No, no, no live your life while you know doing pursuing your vision and, and trying to reach your goal and, and trying to you know use that gift that you have but don't 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 stop going until you, you reach your destination and you're living what you've seen you know and, and you're enjoying uh, what, what you've envisioned all those years but like I said make sure you are enjoying your life at the same time don't just throw it all away and don't put it all off but you know have balance work, enjoy. Rest. That's that's I call it the word method. The word work, enjoy, rest, exercise. Work, enjoy, rest, exercise. Just keep repeating that. Let that be your your routine and and uh, you know just how you operate. But make sure you're living a and leading a balanced life. Yes,
0: it's making me think actually that it's important to actually have some kind of vision for your life. I know a few years ago there was a lot of talk about visualizing where you want to go the life that you want to have what's your perfect day like what's your perfect week like and i think that there's a bit of a dark side to that where you can create the situation that we were talking about before where it's all idealistic it's all mental chest inside your own head and that can set people up to struggle in some ways and the amount of people that struggle at the moment when Reality doesn't meet their expectations or meets their standards or meets what they want. And that can be tough for some people to handle and tough for some people to deal with. And I wonder, what are some of the benefits of having the vision but then trying to enjoy life? Because it sounds like there's a lot of links here to not actually enjoying life all the time but you're being knocked down you're struggling you're having to pick yourself back up and keep going and trying to use and find this dominant gift that we want people to find because it helps them live more fulfilling if they're doing the thing that lights them up but then it sounds like the journey is then the difficult thing it's the day-to-day overcoming rejection that we spoke about before that then becomes their life while they're doing all of this so before we get on to that what are some of the benefits of having this vision and how do you balance that with the day-to-day knockdowns and having to get back up again?
1: well the first thing is making sure that it's an authentic vision because as you stated you have an illusion you have just your imagination and then you have divine vision you know of, of what what your what your life's plan is what uh what, what what your will is um you know God's will for your life and so what you have to do, is like you say they, this goes back to the brutal honesty of kind of knowing what you're doing and seeing where you're going now the, there are so many advantages of the vision and i have a one of my courses is uh voicing your vision and i teach people how to voice your vision articulate but also i have sharpening your sight where you understand the different forms of vision and just going through all of that but here are some of the benefits of the vision first of all it gives you direction I'm an avid traveler and you want to think of it as like a destination on a map, your visual. And so when you see where you're going, that dictates which which roads, highways you're going to use to get to that destination. And so when you see where you're going in that vision, the vision is basically the culmination of a bunch of goals, plans, and activities, as we said, while taking that journey, that's going to get you to that place that you're envisioning. And so it gives you direction. So, for instance, if I saw myself as a, a visionary younger playing sports, and that was just that vision that stayed in me, well, that meant I would have had to take a certain path to get there. So, whatever person's vision is, if it's if you see yourself as a, a known artist, a known business person, whatever it is, it's gonna dictate the route that you take in life in order to get there. Number one. Number two, the vision actually serves as an encourage as encouragement. Because you don't stop going after it until you're living, you're beholding, you're touching, tasting, and experiencing what you've been seeing all those years. And so, in other words, instead of letting it be the fact that, like you said, life getting you down every day, and then you're just like, well, no, I'm not going to ever get there. No, you say, well, I have somewhere I'm going, and I have to get there. And that means that these things that I'm going through, these trials, these, tri- these tribulations, this this um, opposition that I'm facing, I'm going to win some kind of way because I see where I'm going. I see how this ends. In actuality, visionaries have an advantage because while it's in a potential state, state you see it manifested, you know, when it's when it's in the just believing fate or a fake state. You see it manifested and actual and tangible. And when you have that and you live according to it, you align, you plan, you strategize it. You begin to go in that direction. Then you know you you eventually get there. But it's really supposed to inspire you and motivate you, and not you not make you feel depressed. And I, I could see where a person would be like. Well, man, my goodness, life is just getting the best of me. Everything is going bad, and nothing's going right. And it seems like that vision is so far off. But in reality, you know, I always say, "What? What would you be doing anyway?" You know, if, if you're not going after that vision, you're just living life. You want vision gives you purpose as well. You know, it gives you something to live for. I'm shooting at something. It's a it's a big goal that you're aiming at. And I always try to encourage people, always have something you're shooting for. And that's what that vision does. It kind of gives you a reason to live because I see that I'm going somewhere and I have to get there. And that's what we have to do. Make the vision become important. Make it, let let it serve as inspiration and encouragement to help us while we're going through the trials and tribulations. Because there's hope that things are going to turn around and I've seen the glorious end of this vision. I've seen where I'm succeeding. I'm seeing where I, I'm prosperous. I'm seeing where my my, my my business is doing well. I'm seeing where my hobby is now my, my full-time business. Whatever you're seeing, you just keep on until you get there. And as I stated, allow it to motivate you to persevere through the things that you're going through instead of just letting it, you know, just destroy you. Because sometimes you could get to a place where you can lose sight of the vision. Life can get so hectic. I've been there many a time where it's like, man, I I hadn't, you know, visualized in a while because I'm so preoccupied with my, my modern stresses and modern things that are going on. But eventually I was able to shake back and just realign and get that vision again and I think what helps with visual visualization is having that alone time you know just being able to be by yourself decompress so you can have those aha moments and you can see with extreme clarity but yes it
0: sounds like the purpose element is quite closely linked to being fulfilled and that we need a purpose we need a reason to be able to to at least feel like we have some kind of direction do you think that there's anything else that is closely linked to being fulfilled do you have anything else other than having a purpose
1: no i would say that the purpose is critical michael and because your purpose is your why that that's the why behind what you're doing and you got to have that because if you don't have that it's going to be easy to lose sight of the vision if you just stay at the what I'm trying to accomplish and there's no why behind it no real driving motivating factor then it's it's easy to throw up your hands and give up and say well I'm not going after that but when your why is solid when your why is strong and it grounds you then that is going to serve you know as your motivation as well but uh but yes that that why you know being purposeful and knowing your purpose, that is one of the most integral parts of it. Because if there's no why, if you're just doing it just to do it, you know, and if and sometimes I would say don't let the why just be money either, because you can make a lot of money and then it's like, okay, what's next? You know, make sure you you expand your why and attach it to more than just money. Now I'm not saying why can't be Uh, Or money can't be one of your whys, but make sure it extends beyond that. Try to get you a couple of whys to what you're doing. And that way, it's not just that one thing, but there are several reasons I'm doing this. This is purposeful. And there's meaning behind it. It's not just to make money, but you know, I want to transform lives. I want to help people. I want to give back to society. I want to advance humanity. You know, get you a some some wise that are going to serve as pillars and a foundation that you can stand on. But yes, it's it's connected to purpose that it has to be because um like I said, that's the that's the anchor there. You don't have that, it's easy to give up and throw in the towel.
0: What about the kinds of people that do things, I guess you could say, more whimsical than than average, you know, they, they go through life, there isn't much of a plan, there isn't much of a structure, they're not necessarily organized or goal setting, they're just taking every day as it comes. Where, where do you think their joy comes from? I'm aware that we're kind of flipping things on its head a little bit now, but what do you think leads them to live that way? as opposed to the way that we've been speaking about so far?
1: I always say you have three forms of activity you can analyze. You can be inactive, reactive, or proactive. And the individuals you're speaking of, in most cases, they're either inactive or reactive. So in other words, they're not doing anything, as you stated, towards a vision. They don't really have goals. Just they're just sitting back and taking life as it goes. And then they're reactive. Okay, if life does this, I'll just do this. If life says go this way, I'll go this way. If life says stop, I'll stop. Whatever life dictates, I will do. That's fine. If if you if you're happy with living life like that, that's okay. If you're fulfilled, you know, some people, they're cool with it. And the reason being it's safe. You know, you're not trying to go do something. It doesn't matter if you get knocked down. It's not like there's this huge goal. There's this vision that you're trying to accomplish. You're just living life. And for some people, that's fine. Okay. But then for others, the last one is being proactive or proactivity. This is where you're taking control of the things you can't control. You're planning, you're strategizing, you know, you have a methodology about what you're doing. You have a vision, you have a focus, and you're trying to get somewhere. And people who are visionaries and really have the the dream and have that dominant gift that they're they're utilizing and you know they're going somewhere, then they have to you have to be more proactive than reactive and inactive. Now, life at different stages and at different states, you're going to have to be reactive because you're not in a place to to be in control all the time. And sometimes you're going to have to be inactive, where you just kind of not do anything because matters are out of your hand. But in the cases where you are trying to get somewhere, you're gonna have to be proactive to a certain degree because it's not just gonna come to you and it's not just gonna happen by itself. You have to be the catalyst and you have to be the person behind making it happen. You have to be that driving force because it's not just gonna happen. But as I stated, you know, some people, they're fine with living that life where they're just not going after goals, they don't really have big dreams. Just living that day-to-day life, like say whimsical, just la la la, whatever, it's fine for them. And it is fine for them if they're fulfilled and they're okay. But for those who don't want to live life like that, you have to shift to becoming more proactive in order to get to where you're going and accomplish what you're trying to accomplish.
0: That's an interesting point, actually, because I think it does actually come down to how you feel about it are you fulfilled with it or are you not and i guess this is what it comes down to is everyone lives life a different way everyone has to be allowed i guess to to live how they want to live whatever that looks like as long as they're they're happy i wonder what your thoughts are on how to i guess be happier and search for that happiness because sometimes as you say we can get caught up in the goals and the achievement and some people feel better and they don't have that others need that to drive them on as we've been comparing the two at the moment but how does someone actually go about being happy while they're achieving or while they're not because some people might feel aimless from from time to time and it just making me think We need to strive towards all of this. Life is so complex and so complicated. Maybe their why is their family. And for some people, it's about passing things over onto their children and everything in between. How does someone become happier or be happy while they're achieving these things? Because it sounds like there's potential for it to go the other way. So what would you suggest?
1: Learn yourself learn your motivations learn your needs learn your proclivities learn your passions learn what floats your boat learn what angers you learn what makes you happy and once you find those elements then you that's when you have to become a little proactive and making sure you're positioning yourself to enjoy those things because if not like i say you you, you know people if you allow people to have too much control of your life You're going to run into problems. I always say be the um, autobiographical person instead of biographical. You know, write your own life story. Take advantage and write your own narrative. Because, you know, once you know yourself, then you, you also want to balance it. Like you said, just honor your being. In essence, don't value yourself by just what you do. So there's being and there's doing. So you want to get to a place where I'm fine with just being, knowing my identity, who I am. And aside, you know, aside from that, the purpose of the mission and what well, a mission and objective is what you do. But your identity is just who you are as a person. And you want to have the balance and know the difference between the two. Whereas I'm just sitting here as a being, you know. So we are, say, for instance, I always say you have your, um, your noun and your verb. So as a speaker, that's the noun, that's a part of my being, but what does a speaker do? He speaks. As a writer, that's a part of my being, a, a noun, but what a writer does, he writes. But at the same time, you know, you just want to be able to just be yourself without having to actually do and perform the task, just being satisfied with who I am as a being, as a human being. You know, I'm, I'm more than just, as I stated, those things that I've done. I'm a father. I'm a husband. You know just those titles as well you want to embrace of just who you are and look, like i said i'm just a human so embrace your humanity embrace your strengths embrace your weaknesses but at the end of the day know yourself intimately and intricately and that's where happiness lies when you try, when you, uh, I would say, allow people to dictate your happiness, then you're going to be in trouble. I always say you're responsible for three things. I call them the H3. That's your health, that's your healing, and your happiness. Don't put any of those in the hand of anybody else. You got to do the work to be healthy. You have to do the work if you've had experienced trauma and drama and healing. And your health, it's in your hands. Even if you go to the doctor and if something's wrong or you, know, you find out something, at the end of the day, they're going to prescribe things and they're going to give you methods of helping yourself, but you have to do the work. And that's why our help, healing, and happiness, that's on us. So we have to find out through trial and error, try things, always try new things, open your mind up, expand and broaden your horizons. Don't just keep doing the same thing and a new results, unless you like that. If you're cool with it and you're happy, hey, keep doing the same thing. But if you're feeling that zest, if you're feeling I need a change, I need a breakthrough, I need something different, that means it's time to do something different. You can't just do the same thing, but expect different results. As they say, that's insanity. But make minor adjustments. I mean, it could be the smallest thing you do, the smallest change you make, that can have such a huge and impactful and significant result for you. But yes, no. Just learn yourself, and that's what's that's a problem with a lot of people, Michael. They're so concerned about everybody else, but well, they're neglecting themselves. They don't know, <laughs> yeah. you know. I ask, yeah. okay, what makes you happy? Oh, uh, I don't know. Okay, what's your weakness? Um, okay, why? Because you, have been you you know, I can say, well, what's, what's Sally's, what's Sally's strength? Oh, Sally can do this and that. What's Sally's, oh, Sally, she's, she's, her, her weakness is in this area. No, you need to be able to say that about yourself immediately. You should be able to pop off the things. What's your favorite food? What's your favorite restaurant? What's your favorite vacation spot? If you're scratching your head with those things, you haven't been spending enough time with yourself. You haven't been spending enough time focusing on you. And because it's because you're preoccupied with everything and everybody else. No, look introspectively, work introspectively. I promise you, once you get you settled and managing, you know, you then it's easy to know and work with others because you already know you.
0: It must make things so much simpler to know yourself know what you want know your strengths weaknesses all of that because it makes communicating easier so much easier to communicate to somebody else what your desires are what your hopes are for the holiday for the engagement for the relationship for the business transaction if you actually know what you want if you go into any engagement with the outside world not knowing yourself or not knowing what you want you can't then realistically complain about the result if you didn't know what you wanted to begin with.
1: Right. And You know, a lot of people that come to us clarity coaches, but clarity, Michael, is what you're talking about. When you have clarity, everything, it becomes much simpler and most importantly, it becomes clearer. Of what you want, where you're going, what you're trying to do, and not only that, you can express it and articulate it easier. That way, other people's okay. They know now what you want, what you do, you know, what what you're looking for, where you need help. But when you don't know those things, it's even hard to assist you because you don't know. If I come and say, okay, I want to help you, what do you need? And you don't know, it's like okay, well, I can't help you. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like going to the doctor. Yeah. The doctor says, well, why are you here today? Uh. I, I just felt like coming. Okay. I can't, I mean, what, what, what do you need me to help you? What do you need a prescription for? What's hurting? What's, what's doing good. And you have no, no explanation then you, you can't really get the help you need. And that's why I said, you know, you have to get clarity. And that's what we work with people on, you know, identifying your vision, getting your mission, getting your purpose, you know, and then I have your, the MODs, I call it your methods of delivery. How are you going to, what are you going to do? Your services or products in order to fulfill your, your uh, mission, complete your vision and, and, and fulfill, you know, be able to answer your why, your purpose and everything. But it's that's what clarity is helps when you're able to map these things out, it gives you clarity and it gives you a better journey, a more precise journey, because you have created those boundaries and you have your blueprint. You know, it's like trying to build a house or a building without a blueprint. Everybody just showing up. You got resources all over the place. You got workers, but nobody knows what we're trying to build, where we are trying to go, what we're trying to do, but you got all of this that you actually need. And many of us, we have the resources we need, but just don't know, don't have a plan, don't have a blueprint, don't have the clarity on what we're trying to do and where we're trying to go. And if you're in that spot, one thing you said, people who are traveling like that, anywhere becomes the destination. Okay, that's fine for you. But for me, I, I like to know where I'm going. I don't just like to drive in a car and just, just drive all over. And especially if you got passengers with you, they want to know, okay, where are we going? And you're like, well, we'll know when we get there. And <laughs> like, okay, well, we you, you still don't know where we're going? No. And a lot of leaders are like this, Michael, unfortunately. They're just going, they have no real vision, no mission, just, just going, and people are following them. It's like, okay, where are we going? We'll know when we get there. No. <laughs> that means anywhere becomes the destination and that is not good
0: well that is a fantastic way to to finish off the conversation damon it's been fantastic i think while it can feel rigid doing what we've been discussing there's a definite art to it and i think there's a a fantastic blend of ways of making it happen it doesn't have to be rigid it doesn't have to be so structured that you can't live outside of it as we've discussed and i think loads of people will will benefit so i appreciate you taking the time how can people learn more about you if you have websites social media how can people find you
1: yes well my main website is called kit real consult that's k-i-t-r-i-l c-o-n-s-u-l-t dot com But I'm all over the Internet. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. You can just type in my name, Damon, D-A-M-O-N, Nailer, N-A-I-L-E-R. Or the simplest way, you can actually Google me. Just type in that name and it'll pull up all of those things I mentioned. It'll pull up interviews. I have an online school called Real Life Academy dot thinkific.com you know all of those things will come up where we have courses we have books on amazon so just type in my name if you want to that'll be the simplest thing and it'll pull up all of my different social media platforms my website and everything but uh yes and i'm thankful michael for the interview i really enjoyed myself really enjoyed myself
0: Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Those that are listening, feel free to subscribe, share the show, tell others, and also leave a review wherever you are listening in to your podcasts. Damon, thanks so much, and I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you.